Welcome back to part six of four of the Civil War uh, lecture. This should be the last section of the Civil War lecture. Here we're going to talk about the fall of the South and the reunification of the United States. Let's get started. First up, we're going to talk about Chattanooga. Uh, Grant moves from the Western Theater. We've seen him in Fort Henry, Fort Donaldson, and Vicksburg. Now he's going to move to Eastern Tennessee. And as he moves across Tennessee, he kind of wipes up a few uh, scattered resistance movements and clears Tennessee for uh, General Tecumseh Sherman, who we'll see in just a little bit, to come down through Tennessee and into Georgia. At the Battle of uh, Chattanooga, uh, the, um, the Union forces basically wipe out the Confederate forces as they move eastward uh, further into Virginia. The Wilderness Campaign is next, May the 4th through June 12th of 1864. By the way, Chattanooga was November 23rd through the 25th. Um, for the Wilderness Campaign, Grant's given command of the entire army. He kept attacking despite the fact that he was losing a lot of people. And basically, his philosophy is, Everybody attack everybody at the same time so the South can't help each other. Grant gets about 100,000 men under his command, and he starts marching toward Richmond. Battle of Cold Harbor, June 3rd of 1864. Um, Grant attacks Lee's position that is basically impenetrable. It's almost, Lee almost cannot lose this position. And... He doesn't. Uh, Grant's men march forward and advance and try to attack, and they are basically marching towards certain death in this battle. Grant finally withdraws, and it's the last real victory that Lee gets. But this brings a lot of people in in to a, a kind of a a fight or a defiance of of Grant because his his tactic is basically. I don't care how many men I lose as long as I win this war. Uh, he says he'll gladly trade two men for every one of the South uh, just, just so he can make sure he wins. <clears throat> William Tecumseh Sherman, who, uh, like I mentioned earlier, is going to go down through Tennessee into Georgia uh, from September to November, goes through and tries to take Georgia. And he does. In November, he takes... Um, the capital city of Atlanta and almost immediately burns it to the ground. In the middle of all this war stuff, 1864, we've got an election and Lincoln has to run for re-election. There's a group of Democrats called the Peace Democrats that are against Lincoln, they're against the war, and then there's an extreme group of Peace Democrats called the Copperheads who obstruct the war uh, they attack the draft, they are attacking Lincoln, and eventually they attack uh, the idea of emancipation itself. The Republican Party joins with a group of Democrats. It's a really weird and interesting uh, combination, almost like peanut butter and chocolate. We have the Republican Party and a Democratic portion of the party melding together to form what we call the Union Party. So just to make clear, on the far left, you have the 
Copperheads. And then as you move right, you end up with the Peace Democrats, and then you have the War Democrats, and then on the right, you have the Republican Party. The Republicans and the most right wing of the left wing, if you will, Democrats, joined together to form a union party with Lincoln as their presidential candidate and a guy named Andrew Johnson, a war Democrat, as his running mate. So when Lincoln's elected in 1864, he's not a Republican anymore. He's a Union Party candidate. The Peace Democrats try to figure out who they can run against Lincoln, somebody that is charismatic, somebody who a lot of people like, and they find somebody. They find somebody that a lot of people like. But I can tell you this. Nobody likes George McClellan as much as George McClellan, and that is the guy that they run against Lincoln in 1864. George McClellan's actually a pretty good choice. I mean, he knows the war. He's been in command of the army twice. Uh, he knows Lincoln. He knows strategy. He can claim he pushed you know, Lincoln out of the north. He didn't follow after him, but he pushed him out. About the time that the election happens, there's no, I mean, things aren't going well for the Union until right before. Alabama... In Virginia, the Union gets victories in both of those places, and with the burning of Atlanta, it gives Lincoln the boost he needs, and Lincoln wins the election of 1864. William Tecumseh Sherman continues marching toward the sea uh, up until February of 1865. He has about 60,000 guys, and he cuts a swath about 60 miles wide all the way through Georgia and destroys everything. This is total war. This is a slash-and-burn policy, if you will. Uh, this is a scorched-earth policy. It is destroy everything. That way there's not stuff for the Confederate Army to use if they move in behind them. But it's also those guys that are fighting, like in Virginia, that are from Georgia, they're not going to have anything to look forward to when they come home. And it's hopefully to, to lower morale on the southern side. Savannah, Georgia is taken by Sherman as a Christmas present for Lincoln. Uh, Savannah is going to be toward the southern, uh, southeastern point of Georgia. And basically this means that he has successfully gotten all the way to the sea. And now he turns north, Sherman does, and starts moving up. At this point, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, and Georgia, and to some extent Florida, are basically done. Like, there's not really much they can do to help the war effort. That leaves South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. Sherman marches through South Carolina and destroys the capital uh, of Columbia, South Carolina, in February of 1865. And then he moves on to Raleigh, North Carolina, in April of 1865, and takes it as well. He is moving really fast. That leaves Virginia as the only place left. The Virginia campaign, uh, this is the, the dance of death, where Grant and Lee continue to move around Richmond and end up meeting at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. At this point, I told the story of Wilmer McLean. He's a guy who owns a house in Manassas, Virginia. Wilmer McLean... Uh, hosts a man named Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard in his house, and uh, Beauregard sets up headquarters for the first Battle of Bull Run in Wilmer McLean's house in Manassas. 
while they're eating one day, a cannonball comes through the chimney of the house. And Wilmer McLean realizes, maybe I shouldn't be living here. Like, maybe I should get away from some of this. So he sells his stuff in Manassas and moves away from the battles in Virginia. However, he moves to Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. And the house that he buys is a nice house. And on uh, April 9th of 1865, he gets a knock at his door and he is asked, Can we use your house? The first actual battle between armies of the Civil War is fought in Wilmer McLean's yard, basically. And the surrender documents are signed in his house. Later on, he says that the war started in my front yard and ended in my front parlor. Grant gives Lee generous terms of surrender. He lets him keep most of his stuff. He lets him ride out on his horse at the end. Five days later, on April 14th of 1865, Abraham Lincoln is attending a play called Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater when an assassin, John Wilkes Booth, a famous actor, uh, sneaks into the booth behind him and shoots Lincoln in the head. Lincoln succumbs to injuries the next day, probably not so much from the injury, but from infection from uh, doctors sticking dirty fingers and things into the wound and pulling out blood clots to, uh, to try to save Lincoln's life, probably ended up killing him. His death does a couple of things. Not only does it mean that the great war hero is dead, it means that the Democrat, Andrew Johnson, that ran as his vice president, is now the president. And it changes Reconstruction in the United States. Thank you for listening uh, to this six-part series on the Civil War. The next lecture series will be on Reconstruction. I hope to see you then. Thank you.